Welcome to the Mindful Mutiny Podcast. I'm Jeremy Van Wert, CEO, therapist, and high-level coach. On Mindful Mutiny, we thoughtfully rebel against anything that keeps people from obtaining their highest potential. I have a very special guest today, somebody that's very important to me. This is Heather Havenwood. Heather, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Of course, it's afternoon here, but... <laughs> yeah, you're in Florida. You're in Florida. Yes. <laughs> far, so far away from California. Heather Ann Havenwood, award-winning media mogul, top direct response business marketer, author of the new book, Uncage Yourself, The Fearless Method to Turn Your Knowledge into Income, Impact Your Influence, to Live a Badass Life of Ultimate Freedom, top-selling book, Sexy Boss, How Female uh, how female Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook in Business, author of Power Guesting, How to Get Leads and to Grow Your Business Online with Podcasts. Heather, I'm so glad that you're here. This is going to be a great interview in talking about the importance of a personal brand and the yes. importance of really showing yourself in the marketplace. So, Heather, I guess what we'll kind of do is we'll go back in your life and we'll talk a little bit about how'd you get into this? Where did it all start? Tell mm -hmm. tell us about yourself. Of course, I thank you for the introduction. I really appreciate that. You know, um, I definitely didn't wake up one day and say I want to be in the personal development and branding and marketing world. But it did kind of find me. Um, I kind of feel like it's like the little bit like Neo in the Matrix where it kind of finds you, the thing that you're supposed to really do in the passion. Sometimes we resist for a long time before we kind of just lean in and go, this is my path. And um, I think marketing is my path, teaching people, helping people to uncage their voice, uncage their message, uncage what really is it that they want to actually add value to the world. As Jim Rohn said in probably 1985, even though he's no longer here on the planet, his words still ring true, that you're paid for your value in the marketplace. And that's not what we're taught in school. We're taught you're, you're uh, paid for what you know or paid for the degree or whatever, but that's not it. And value is not degrees. Value is actually how can you help people transform, trans, um, basically change something in their life. It could be health and wellness. It could be mindset. It could be wealth. But how do you help people or companies or groups of people change something, right? And that's value. That really is value in the marketplace today. And no matter if there's still AI, um, and, and, you know, AI is a big part of that. AI still does not replace human value. That's where I said. Yeah, no, it 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 really doesn't. That's what I'm noticing too. Is that I I'm using AI a lot in yeah. getting things written quickly and the things that really can help me. But it's, it does the menial work so that I can stay more creative. And I know that that's something that you have noticed too as a yeah. tool to really enhance the the any kind of work that you're doing. Yeah, it's really, it's interesting about AI really quickly just go into that. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I've been doing this since 2001. We didn't obviously have AI back then. We didn't even have Zoom. We had to do everything in person or do events. I was traveling the country, uh, slipping around a, you know, um, a suitcase going city by city by city on airplanes and buses and hotels and vans. Now we have to do all that, you know, um, but, and now we have AI. We're always having new tools 
But what hasn't changed in all those years is value of humans in the marketplace. Now, there's two pieces of that. What value is today and what value was 20 years ago does change because the marketplace, which is the audience, uh, changes their desires, right? But at the same time, I think what's more important today, that's why I wrote that book, Uncage Yourself. It's about learning how to uncage your value, right? How do you uncage your voice, your message, your value so that you can actually start making money on your own terms if you so choose and saying, hey, I'm valued at this, right? And the marketplace will always kind of give you uh, what your your value is in the world. And someone that I think about, and this might sound really odd, but Kanye West now, poor man has you know fallen from graces in many, many, many um, sure. circles. However, he added a lot of creativity and value in the marketplace as a uh, rapper, but as a creator, he was phenomenal in creating different things and products. He is like a huge value creator. Now, you know, he chose certain things in, in his, those circles, but that's not the value. He's still worth a lot of money because those products have value. And I think if we start to look at it from that perspective, where, what is your value in the marketplace, um, entrepreneurship and what you're doing here with mindful mutiny and, and the different things that you're doing, it's always coming from that perspective. What are the needs the marketplace needs? How can I add value? How can I fill that gap and that opportunity? And of course, make money from that. And I think that's really where we're at today, even with AI. Now, I read your book, Sexy Boss, and I, I loved it so much because you so passionately tell this wonderful story. It's this story, and I'd love to hear it from you. It's about being right. a high-value woman in a sales culture and the struggles that you had in living in that corporate structure, yeah. being a high-value person, having that value having setbacks, and then at a certain point, just realizing, you know, I think I could be more successful on my own. Yeah, that's it takes me all the way back. Yeah, I did talk about that in my book, Sexy Boss. Um, because Sexy Boss, that book was really all about my transformation from not seeing myself as a valuable person to actually seeing myself as valuable and starting to go on that journey. But yes, in corporate world, I was in corporate America back starting in 98 and I used to sell cell phones. Now, what's interesting about that particular job is that when I went to apply for the job in outside sales, the guy laughed at me. He said, oh, honey, you know, you're cute and pretty. We should put you in customer service for $8 an hour, you know, and I'm like, no, because I knew that if I got put in customer service, I was going to be stuck in that forever. And I'm like, I had to leapfrog. I had to leapfrog into sales because I knew that's the place I'm going to have to prove myself, but I also make the most amount of money. And so I actually got that job, not because that guy said he wanted to hire me. He actually said no, but I went above him and the boss above him was a female and just said, well, you know, put her in there for a couple months. If she fails, we'll put her in customer service. So I was thrown to the wolves. I'll never forget. I had one of those, uh, just a metal desk. <laughs> they gave me a, like, like a thousand business cards. What are you doing with a thousand business cards? And then a, a yellow pages. This is so far back. And they said, good luck. And they gave me a quota. And they said, if you don't make it, you're out. Don't get, don't get comfy around you. Don't say hello to your neighbors because you probably won't see them again. And I was the only female 
there. It was all men who were outside sales. And I rose the ranks. I was there for four years and it doesn't sound like a long time, but in that world, it was a long time. And uh, I actually, my last year I was there, not only did I make it and survived, kept my quota, but I actually was number one in outside sales, not for Fort Worth, not for Texas, but the entire country. Now what's honest and it's interesting about that, the innocence in me, you know, I, I got my award and I was so proud. I thought I'm going to get promoted because look at me, corporate America, I did it, you know, and then they fired me. Well, they didn't really fire me. They basically said, we're going to take away all your clients and then you still have the same quota and you got two weeks go, you know, AKA firing. It was a devastating blow, but it was a wake up call. It was, oh, I'm never going to let that happen again. You know, I'm never going to let that someone take that from me again. So I kind of went on this journey and I started traveling the country with these top speakers around the world and started to learn this game of understanding business and value, um, copywriting, direct response copy, how do you sell yourself? How do you sell your offers? How do you just sell your voice? And I started to see this whole other world wake up, right? I was sitting in these conferences and some guys talking in the front of the room and he sells a $4,000 package. Not a car, just $4,000 worth of stuff. And people are running to the back of the room, throwing their credit card. And I'm like, how does that work? You know, and I started to realize that people will pay for you to take away pain and people will pay for you to create and help them get freedom. And that's what I think Uncage Yourself is about. And that's where we're at today. AI may help you, but AI is not going to take away the pain. And it's not going to create the freedom that we all desire in our lives. You know, this big jump that you make made here a long time ago is a jump that a lot of people are thinking about making right now. And you alluded to it here, but with yeah. regard to the change in mindset. So you had these skills, you could sell, you can talk, you know, you, you have this ability to build something, but it's one thing building it under the auspices of a big corporation. It's another thing when you're starting to build that on your own, yes. what were the big things that you had to change in your mindset that got in your way or that you went, I don't need that anymore. What, what changed for you? Um, God, a lot. Um, I think one saying I would say is you're paid for your value in the marketplace and you have to create that value. No one's going to give that to you. No one's going to give you that promotions. No one's going to increase your value. I have to increase my value. So I'm always learning. I'm always going to the next level. I'm always taking in what's next and watching what's next. So that's a never ending learning viewpoint. Um, but if I want to make more money, I go create more value or I go create another offer to a, what I call a starving crowd or a crowd of people that, that need help or a crowd of people that want something. So I think that became the shift. Um, I'm so in that world now that I don't even realize I'm in that world versus maybe a world where people are like, you know, I'm an ex, this is my title and I make $80,000 a year and they make that forever, you know? I think that's one piece of it that you have to shift to say, what's my value in the marketplace? Go ask for it. 
and the people that can see that value and you have something that they want or pain that you take away or freedom that you create for them, then they'll pay the price. So it's a different mindset. It's a very different mindset. And, you know, and I, I, I know you well enough to know that I I just want to clarify something. When you say you're taking pain away, you're not just taking pain away. You are empowering. You are helping people believe in themselves. You're helping people craft what their personal story is, why that story has value, why their innate strengths are things that they can use to build their real estate brand, to build their coaching brand to build their whatever it is thing that makes them step outside what is kind of a factory mindset. Yeah. You know I mean, well, yeah, I mean, if you're okay with me saying that you and I went through that um, as you were a student of mine, but one of the things that, you know, we talked a lot about, it's not that you're, you're, I mean, you're brilliant. You've been CEO of companies, you've built an amazing career But that was one thing we talked a lot about, like that shift of from even CEO employee to CEO of your own business. There is a mental shift that you have to have. And that was a lot of conversations that you and I had, because, you know, even with a lot of my students, you're not alone in that. Whereas like, I can take you through, do this, do this, do this. And you're very, you know, you were always like, I got all the stuff done. But then there was like this shift. I started, you started to go, oh, this is different just doing the check mark does not make it. You know, you have to change what is my value in the marketplace? Who am I serving? What is the pain they're in? And how can I help them? And what is that value to them? That's why you have some coaches charge $5,000 for just half a second. And you have some coaches charging $300 an hour. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's a huge difference. The other thing, and this is something you and I talked about, there's also perceived value. So in the world of therapists, because I know you came from the therapist world, there's a perceived value of what that price tag is, you know, 125, 200, 250, whatever per hour. That's like, that's a perceived value of a therapist. If I went to a therapist and sat down from a therapist and they had hourly rates, that would be what I would expect. But the moment I call a business coach or a life coach, I don't expect that. I expect at least they're going to say $1,500 a month. And if they don't, I don't really want it because that tells me they don't even see their value. Do you see the point? If a therapist said that to me, I'd be like, really, dude? You know, and it's all perceived value. It's not that they're worse or better. It's all about perceived value of understanding of how people think in the pain and the freedom that they want. So I hope that answered your question. I think I went in circles, but I, that's really kind of the crux of being an entrepreneur and uncaging yourself is to learning how to flip it, to serve a newly, to be able to make that value. This dovetails really nicely into another part of your story. There's this, there, there's this concept out there that if you took all of the billionaires in the world and you took right. all of their money away and you made everybody equal that within 2 years those billionaires would be billionaires again because oh, yeah. of what they know about yeah. the market and how to build things and everything like that you have had a number of pretty devastating setbacks in your life and you've turned it around and you have rebuilt yes. things and so 
with your comfort level, you want to talk a little bit about <laughs> the things that, that the times that you have had to lose yeah. and then rebuild and what that mindset was like for you. Yeah, there's been a few and they weren't small. They were, you know, what I call a, a face in the dirt kind of ones. Um, and I've had to rebuild every single time. But the one that I talked a lot about when Sexy Boss and just shared today is, um, yeah, I built a company from zero to a million dollars in 2005. I mean, it was like zero, boom, you know. And I thought, oh, look, look at me, I could do this. And, you know, I, it was definitely coming from a place of proving myself. And I had a, a business partner. He was the face of the business. I was building all the marketing. I built the ads. I built the campaigns. I built the JV. I built a whole business, the offers. And I thought, wow, look at me. I'm proving myself and I have value. Well, you know, I didn't understand about lawyer stuff and legal stuff and partner stuff. <laughs> and one day I came home and he had changed all the merch accounts, took all the business, emptied my bank accounts because he um, he just stole that from someone who lived with me and they stole my bank accounts. And mm -hmm. I literally was at zero. And uh, my the mortgage bounced and it was it devastated me i it 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 this was before uber that i could just go get a job at uber i actually got a job at starbucks for a couple months making 12 dollars an hour and i went from you know thirty thousand dollars a month to that and it was uh you talk about an ego drop you talk about a you know exactly. flatten of the face yeah. It took me years to overcome that. And it and one because the market shifted, it was 2008 now. So the market had changed, the value in the marketplace had changed. It also my mindset changed. I had a lot of people around me going laughing at me. Ha ha ha, I knew you sucked, you know. Why can't you just be normal and get a waitress job? You know, a lot of that stuff. Um, I even got a waitress job and then they fired me because I told me, you know, you could you can make a lot more money if you turn the tables this way, you could turn the tables more. And they're like, You're a hostess. I'm like, I'm really an entrepreneur. And so I had a lot of a, you know, a spiritual kind of a come to Jesus of like, who am I? What am I doing here? I think every entrepreneur, and I've, I've heard this saying, I can't remember who, but someone said, I don't do business with entrepreneurs unless I know they've failed and they've filed bankruptcy at least once. <laughs> I, I get that. I, I, I filed bankruptcy. So I feel like, yay. Um, I say that because you find out who people really are when they have a lot of money and you find out who they really are when they lose their shit and you start to see who, who, like who the real person is, are they going to climb back out or are they going to stay there? And I had to climb back out, but here's the thing that I discovered. I discovered that being an entrepreneur, sometimes that's part of the journey, you know, uh, Colonel Sanders of, Kentucky Fried Chicken didn't make it till he was 55. You know, we see today in our world so much of this Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. The guys have done no wrong. They've never touched anything that's failed. Like, it's such insanity. It's not truth. It's not reality of success. If you look at athletes, how many times do they have to fail to actually get the ball in whatever, cross the field or in the net or whatever, the probability of success and failure, it's always higher in failure than success. And one of my mentors, Joe Sugarman, I would, sometimes I went on, I went on tour with him for a year 
And his entire presentation, even though everyone knew who he was at the time, multimillionaire blue buckler sunglasses, his entire presentation was never about his successes. He would tell every story that he failed at. <laughs> and people would always go, why do you tell us the failures? He's because you already know the success of me. I need to tell you how I got there. Here's what I did at this failure. Here's what I did at this failure. Here's what I did at this failure. Because that's where I learned how to succeed, right? And then to keep success is a whole nother conversation. So I think that one of the things that I would say, and I had another one happen in 2017, but by that point that happened in 2017, again, similar situation, similar, where it's just like an immediate, oh my God, from here to nothing. Here's what I learned. Oh, wait, hold on. I know how to add value in the marketplace and I know how to create money. Now that lesson that happened in 2017, I had already gotten that lesson. So I got back on my feet within 30 days. The one in 2008 took about three years <laughs> for me to go, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. My job is to add value in the marketplace. Oh, well, let's go surround myself with entrepreneurs, moved to Austin, started a business, started coaching companies, started uh, my podcasts, started my book, you know, started adding value to the marketplace and sustaining myself. That is still true today. That is the, that skill set, that muscle is something that I use every single day because I'm constantly changing. The market's constantly changing. You know, I now own an agency. I didn't own an agency years ago. I realized that that's a huge value add now is to actually own an agency, a bosshub.ai. It's an AI CRM agency where I help people like you and other clients create their business, create their websites, create their CRM, create all those different things that you need in today's world uh, to run an online company. But that would have me be able to make that decision within 30 days going, I'm going to create an agency and create a bunch of value in the marketplace. That being able to make that decision and implement that would have never been able to happen without all those failures. One of the things that you have talked to me about, and I call it the concept of a mastermind. It's oh, the yeah. it's the group that's around you that helps inspire and get you going. One of the things that you've told me is you're going to be coming across and running with a completely different group of people than you've ever mm -hmm. run with before. And I've had, I'm a very loyal person. I've had friends for a very long period of time. And it was hard for me to hear because I just think, well, I'm a, I'm a loyal person. I, I have these friends that have been very important to me for a long time, and I know that they will yeah. remain now. However, I'm starting to see what you're talking about. It's a different mindset. It's a different mentality in this yeah. world where you're self-driven and you're doing things. So can you talk about what are the characteristics of the people that don't make a good mastermind? And what are the characteristics oh. of people that make a great mastermind? Who should you not have around you? Who should you have around you? Well, I'll speak about who should you should have. And then everything, it's not that, it's not that. Um, okay. People that are self-motivated, self-determined, wants to create their future, um, is okay with from releasing from the the golden handcuffs doesn't need as much security believes in oneself um, and understands their value. That's who I surround myself with. Um, 
I know what you mean. Somebody who used to live in Austin, Texas, and uh, be able to be around a bunch of people that were always entrepreneurs and now in, in St. Pete, I'm having meeting new people, but it's definitely a, you know, I have people in my life here that um, I consider as friends, you know, but we're friendly. We might go see a movie or something, but I'm not going to talk to them about my business. People that are other entrepreneurs, I have those people all around the country, all around the world that I send messages to or may like, Hey, I'm having difficulty or Hey, if they call me, I had someone call me the other day and they're like, Oh my God, what do I do? And I saw, Oh, well, you know, how about this? And she's an entrepreneur, right? So she's like, Oh my God, I didn't see that. And we as entrepreneurs know that we are creators and we're adding value all the time, but we have to surround ourselves with other entrepreneurs to help us you know, what I call fixed situation because we're too close that we're in it. You know, we're, we're in the pot. We can't see the outside and we don't want to have someone who's maybe from a mindset of working for the, the government for 20 years to help us fix that. Cause they don't see things correctly. I've tried to date guys that were, I had a guy got, I did for a while off and on. He was um, ex military and worked for the government and he would get so mad at me. He'd say things like, why can't you be a normal girl and just be a waitress with a boring job? And I'm like, how is that normal? Why would you want that? You know, but he just wanted that, you know, box. And you can't be a box and win in the world of entrepreneurship. You know, think of Chris Ky- Chris Jenner or you know, Kim Kardashian or Michael Jordan. I mean, these these people fit a box. And what I love about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan's such an inspiration. You know, at the end of every game, he would watch the recording of his game and he was looking at what was missing. Like what was missing, go to the next level. And as a marketer, that's what I do. Like, okay, what could be better? What's next? What's next? What's that next little level? And there's a lot of people that go, oh, you're fine. Just stop being, why, why are you so driven? You know, I've had, I've had exes say that to me and I'm like, you are not in my life because that's who we are. It's how I'm bred. It's how I breathe. It's like telling Michael Jordan, Hey, can you stop being so great? You need to like chill out, dude. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that's where I've just gotten to a point and what I, I consider you newer at the entrepreneur game. You're not newer in life and business, but newer at that game. And that's why I said that to you is a little bit of a red flag because you'll start to get really creative and start telling your ideas and to people that shouldn't be hearing them. They can't hear it. You tell the same idea to a group of entrepreneurs like, what about that? Oh my God, I love that. What about if you added this and this and this? And you'd say that to a group of dear friends I've known you since you're a kindergarten, cute little Jeremy with a little red wagon. They're like, oh, Jeremy, stop that. It's never going to work, you know, because they love you and they don't want to see you fail. Or maybe they love you. They don't want to see you succeed, whatever. Like entrepreneurs are constantly up against that battle and they are the black sheep usually of their family, 99.9% of the time. They are the black. I am. I'm the black sheep of my family. You know, everyone in my family um, has a job. <laughs> so, and that's okay if you have a job, but they have no desire to be an entrepreneur. Who did I get it from? My father. My father is a never. I he never had a job that I know of. You know, he was always an entrepreneur. 
So that's where I got it from, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and and one point of correction here. It was a red fire engine. I had a fire engine. It had a bell on it, little ladders and everything, and I was the shit. <laughs> okay. Hey, so- I had I had the Barbie house. And <laughs> I have to I gotta say this, if you don't mind going here for a second, which I find fascinating. So you know the bar movie just came out recently. I don't sure, know what yeah. But it was, it's all the rage. And so I went to go see the Barbie movie. And if your listeners hasn't listened to it, I, I need to share this because it, I didn't realize how much Barbie imprinted on me. Like yes. no idea. So the opening scene of the movie is they're showing these little girls playing with baby dolls, like these, the big dolls, you know, the ones you're like, and they said it was revolutionary when Mattel came out with the Barbie doll because it was the first doll in history that wasn't a baby doll that was subconsciously training women to be mommies. Up until that point, it was all baby doll, baby doll. I'm a mommy. I'm a mommy. Barbie was like, bitch, I got a house. <laughs> I got my own car. And then there's Ken. I don't know what he's doing, you know? Like it was a mindset shift. I, of course, I didn't know that. I grew up with Barbie. I had my house. I had my kitchen. I had, I didn't have kids. I had Ken who come over. I had all my friends that came over to with my badass house. And, you know, watching the Barbie movie now in my 40s and having a 20 years of entrepreneurship, like I get Barbie actually subconsciously planted that in me that I didn't have to be a mommy right I didn't have to do this one one thing there's more right and I didn't really realize that it's the small things that you subconsciously are training kids today of what's possible and so Barbie movie um and Barbie the whole realm of it was a revolutionary change in my in my generation so i guess i was bred to breed to be a barbie entrepreneur <laughs> i could definitely see that in you thank you yeah yeah and you know i i also wanted to chat a little bit about just the way that the world has changed in the past 3 years and there oh, wow. are people in different spaces of recognizing exactly how profoundly that this has changed. There are people whom I know who really see this as, okay, well, we're back to work. Everything's back to the way that it was, but virtually everything has changed. The, the, the relationship that we have with our media, the relationship that we have with our government, mm. the relationship that we have with what a workplace is defined by, that yeah. it was proven once and for all to to employees in big companies that people can be just as effective working from home. If they're goofing off at home, they're going to goof off whether they're in the office or not. You know, they're going right. to be great at home. They're going to be the same employee, but they have more flexibility and the, the workplace is starting to, to demand that. There are a thousand ways that the world has not only changed, but it's not going back to be the other, the way that it was before ever again. The way that you're seeing things now, and oh, yeah. I know that there's just been so much of the matrix is broken. We people are starting to see what thing what what's reality and what is this kind of projection of reality that we all kind of 
grew up in as we said the Pledge of Allegiance in our classrooms and all these things, and we were trained to be a certain way. What are you seeing as the most important ways in which the world has changed in the last three years? Well, I would love to quote Morpheus right now from Matrix. Free your mind. That was his quote. That was the big quote of that. If you've ever seen The Matrix, sorry, yes. you gotta watch it. Uh, I just rewatched one, two, and three. Sometimes I go on these stunts and I watch one, two, and three this last weekend. And I had a hurricane recently. So what else are you gonna do? Um, and it's like that moment when Neo is making that decision between the red and the blue pill, right? And he chooses that red pill and to free your mind and seeing the very, the first matrix and seeing him for all those scenes where he's resisting and he can't see it. And he's having a hard time. And there was this moment of, you remember it, but he's like, oh my God, he's got a blow. And he like kind of like pukes or something. I feel like that's the stage the world's been in for two years. Like, no, this can't happen. This can't be. And they're kind of all puking. And there's some that are awaking and they're going, okay, this is, this is the new world. And then there's some that are just like so resistant that they just can't, it will not, it cannot happen. I'm not going to see it. I think the, the people that, and I say old and new, it doesn't matter their age. The people that are awakening are the ones who are going to create masses amount of value in the world. And they're going to change the world. The people that are resisting every moment of this change on a galactic and global level are are not. I just recently went to Egypt and um, in April 2023, changed my view of everything. You know, what we deal with here in America and what people are dealing with in, in Egypt you know, really still kind of third world countries. I hate to say that. Um, it, it was a fascinating conversation when I was there. There was a gentleman who was our tour guide. He's Egyptian. He's from Egypt. He speaks fluent English. You know, he's tour guide. And I asked him, I said, you know, Egypt is a old country, like older than Rome. How, how is Egypt so poor? How did they get it so wrong for so long? I mean, they pre-Roman times. How, how did this happen? How are they so poor? They've been around longer than the UK, than Rome, than America. How? And he just said, it's been such a culture of fear since for thousands of years that they just haven't been able to overcome that. So they always have this dictatorship and fear. They live in fear. The Egyptians live in fear. And... And that's, that's, of course, coming from an Egyptian, not from me. And it's also coming from his perspective as an Egyptian male coming from that world. And he's like, and things are changing. I think that's one thing we as entrepreneurs have to realize is that we no live, longer live in a flat world. We live in a global world. We know I no longer live in St. Pete. I just happen to live here, but I literally live in a global world. You live in a global world. So we're having to actually shift with the marketplace of the globe, not just Northern California, not just West Florida. It's that those were the old days, right? The old days is where you live in West Florida or, you know, the gold rushes in California. Like that's where the jobs are. You go to New York, that's where jobs are. All that's gone. 
because jobs can be remote now. People can live anywhere. They can live in the middle of the mountains or wherever they so choose without any commute. But now what's important is who they are. What's the value they're going to add to the company, to the conversation, to the consulting, to the world, to the globe. And especially now with companies, I mean, I have three people that work for me and they're all from the Philippines and they're amazing. You know, I love them. They're super amazing. So I, I say all that to say, Everything's changed and yet everything stayed the same. People who are awakening are awakening. People who are resisting are resisting. And as Morpheus said, it's time to free your mind. Now, this is totally in line with the concept of um, mindful mutiny, because what you're talking about here is you're talking about Egypt, okay, that has existed in a culture that this man describes to be fearful that it describes to be focused on the things that could go wrong and all of that and i know that every organization every nation yes. has a culture every group of friends has a culture and that's kind of like what i refer to the whole mastermind idea it's, it's a, it's a frequency is... like egypt has a frequency that hasn't changed and and just interrupt you but america's had a frequency of democracy and, you know, pledge allegiance for a long, I, you know, we believe in God and like God, we trust all that for a long time. It's a specific frequency and that frequency is changing. I'm not in agreement of that change of frequency, but I have to understand the frequency change and be able to play in that or help shift it to something better and new. And just like Egypt, just like any country, but Egypt specifically, it's a poor country. I saw little kids begging me for dollars in, in, in 2023 in an, one of the oldest countries in the world. How was that even possible with their resources that they have and the understanding of the democracy? Why haven't they figured this shit out yet politically, you know? And that's because what, you know, it's, it's true. They've come from fear for so long. They just got used to it. And that's what I'm concerned about entrepreneurs. Like we have to stay in a higher frequency and a higher viewpoint to be able to create newly in this new world. And this new world, you either free your mind and be able to see yourself as creating something that you've never thought was possible, or you try to look at the past and go, well, we've always done it this way. And I'm like, well, that way is over. <laughs> it's not going to work. So I think that's the the new future. I lived in Austin for a long time. I'll just give one example. And I lived downtown Austin for 12 years. This recently changed. And I remember the moment, because I lived right near the downtown Whole Foods, the Whole Foods, that it's, it's like, it's the headquarters of all the Whole Foods. So it's the main Whole Foods, it's two stories. And then upstairs, five stories, six stories, is like the headquarters of Whole Foods. So like, all the execs lived there and that's their Whole Foods. So anytime they tried something new, they'd always try it there, right? But I remember the day when I when I heard that Amazon bought it, like the week after, I remember going to that Whole Foods and the whole vibe had changed. You could feel like it went from like just this kind of warm, hi loving fun weird place that austin's always had to cold and corporate 
You could just, you could feel it. And then every time they tried something new, they'd have it there. Like I went there a couple of months ago. They already had the one thing where you, you put your palm and you put your palm over and that's how you pay. You pay with your palm. Your palm is connected to your credit card and you just palm, it's called one and you palm your hand. They've already, they've had it for a year, right? And so they're using that store, of course, all the new stuff. But my point is, is that people will get so frustrated. Like, oh, I hate that. I'm like, you either lean in and figure out ways you can add value to the new frequency or you just resist it, you know? And I don't know if resistance is the best thing. I don't love that what they're doing with, with the whole foods with Amazon, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's the new world. Amazon is Amazon. You know, I've, I yeah, it to- it totally does. And w- what I'm kind of thinking about here is uh, so I've worked in several different working environments, several different big corporations. And so this corporation is one that's highly political inside. There's these yeah. little fiefdoms that are lorded over by the director of this and the director of this, and you can get in uh, real trouble not going along with this highly political environment. Then this one is lorded over by a CEO that's a total dictator. And you might try to have influence on making a culture better inside of an organization or a company, but it's really hard when you have the entire culture against you. And then you go to a different company where- Everything is chaos all the time. And you're right. trying to shine light. You're trying to make it different. You're trying to uplift and everything like that. But the culture just pulls you to the floor all the time. And so what you are what you are doing and the importance that you're placing on this is essentially, I'm going to use this, this kind of biblical term here, seeking yeah. the promised land. And the promised land is, is just in the sake of this conversation, I'm looking at this place where you are able to shine your greatest value. You're able to be your true self. You're able to create the culture and the mastermind around you. You're able to lift everything around you so that you are operating in your highest capacity. And you not only do that yourself, you help other people do that. You've helped me get into the groove of where I need to go with all of that stuff. You help people create their kind of promised land out of uh, the kind of a rejection of these other cultures that may have held them back. They have to let it go. And that's something, you know, you had to work through. Like there's a piece of you, you had to let go of that part of you being the CEO. That was an amazing time in your life and you succeeded at that. But you realize to be able to grab onto this new world, you have to let this go. You had to let it go and release it and be able to grab onto that new site. And I had to do the same thing. And... (laughs) That's a hard thing to do for human beings. Like we want it all. We want to figure it out. We want a trapeze between both. And it's like, it doesn't work. You know, it's like being married and divorced at the same time. It's like, it's not going to go well, you know? So I, I, this is a time of frequency change. Um, and this is a time to lean in or lean out. And one of my things I used to say is um, I never say where my presence is not valued. Now, I'm going to say it again, because when I started living from this phrase, not just some phrase to say, but living from it, um, my life got kind of small, but yet bigger. So the people in my world, like close to me, like I have rings around me, right? 
people really close to me, it's pretty small. It's very small. And then there's like a, a next level of what I call a, bu- a bunch of entrepreneurs that I know. And then there's a bunch of other people. Entrepreneurs. And then there's followers. I have a lot of followers. I have 30,000 on LinkedIn. Okay. But the closer you get to me, the smaller the crowd is. It's 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 way more lonely. And but I'm not alone, if that makes sense, because I don't want to stay where my presence is not valued. I don't want to share my ideas as the biblical term into, into swine. I don't want to drop my ideas into gravel where it's not going to be nurtured and fed. Right. And so the people I share my deep intimate ideas with, it's a small circle, less than five. Right. And then I just go from there. So I think one of the things that entrepreneurs have a new entrepreneurs have, have a challenging time with is realizing that, that when you are a true creator, the people that are closest to you, the smallest, even like Elon Musk, you see that, you see that with even like, you know, like I say, Trump, you know, if you like him or not, whatever, but people that are true creators, their, their inner circle is small, even though they may, they may have a big microphone. Yeah. So I answered that. But yeah, I think- no, you, you you did. I I would really like to go back to a really intriguing topic here, which is your incredible trip to Egypt. Oh, and yeah. I know that that was perspective changing. I know that you came home with a number of just changing your relationship with the world and with yourself yeah. and a renewed sense of spirituality that you kind of got out of that. Is there any of that that you're willing to talk about on here? Because I know that there's probably some of it that you're still processing. Yeah, I'll share a little bit. I was there for two weeks. It was a trip of a lifetime um, with, with a group, a small group that I knew from Austin. So I knew it was in good hands. I don't recommend going to Egypt by yourself, especially as a single female blonde. <laughs> um, it's still very um, um, aggra- ma- male. It's pretty much all men at the shops. Um, men, 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 men. It's rare you saw females. Um, really, we we were in the Sahara Desert. We went across the Sahara Desert. And I mean, it's Sahara Desert. And when we go to these small towns, it was full of trash. Um, a few women on the street you'd see, all of course in hijabs. So you can really see them. It was fascinating to me how backwards to me things were, given that 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 Egypt has been around for before biblical times. Uh, but what was more fascinating to me was the pyramids. The pyramids were life changing. Um, I went into the Great Pyramid at four o'clock in the morning and um, went into the King's Chamber, the Queen's Chamber. It changed my view of how I grew up, you know, with the biblical. I'm a Baptist girl got bad. So I was told a lot of things about who Mary Magdalene was and who, who she's really not and uh, Jesus and a lot of things that I felt when I was there. I was like, oh, everything I've been told is pretty much a lie. <laughs> like, oh, okay. And there was this moment of like, oh, there is a whole new world that I don't even know that I was living in. And I, and those truths are coming out. I've been doing a lot for me on work on uh, realizing that you know Jesus himself went to Egypt and went to the pyramids and went and learned and, and t- Tibet and Buddhism and so many different other cultures. It's not just one way. And how the pyramids have been been around for thirty thousand years, and it, it was truly one of those life changing moments 
because I kind of had this aha of everything that I was taught in the Christian church um, of who we are and who women are and who women aren't supposed to be and what Jesus is and what Jesus is and all that. It's just not true. And, um, and there are pieces that are true. Okay. But not all of it, not like the perfect story. Right. So I think what that had me do is kind of wake up and start to ask questions not just about religion, because it's not about religion, but more from who are we and where did we really come from and how is this all putting together of our future and what really is the piece that yeah, you could call it the um, the top 1%, you could call it whatever, but there is a group of people on this planet, less than 100 people that pretty much own the planet, that run the planet. And what really is the game here? And what are we, what, what are we doing here? Like, what's the whole point? And that sounds really esoteric as an entrepreneur, but it's shifted how I'm doing business. It's shifted because I'm really starting to look at what is my legacy? Yeah. Who am I going to be on the planet now? And how can I add value to the world? Not just to me, my pocketbook, you know? And so you and I are creating a mastermind. We're creating a retreat. And it's kind of coming from that perspective of we want to invite entrepreneurs that are saying, hey, we know the world is changing. We agree. And we want to be on the forefront of that, not just on AI, but actually how to leave a legacy on the planet. Because this planet is altering faster than we can even think. And so how can we actually come together as a group, as community and connection and really participate in co-creating and co-create together. Because that's how I believe the future is going to be successful. And that's how you're going to be successful is co-creating, not top-down structure, not demanding on people or forcing something down their throat or demanding that they believe in something and not something else. Those days are gone. And I think the time is to free your mind and uncage your voice. And, uh, you know, that's why you and I are doing the retreat in Austin. Yeah, let's talk about the Awakened Retreat. This is going to be in June of 2024, and it's going to be in the Austin area. We've got this beautiful home that we have rented. It's large. It's got a pool. It's got views. It's got peace and quiet. It's got all of the stuff that you need. Yeah. We're going to have a chef come in and make wonderful food for everybody. And it's going to be an incredibly wonderful, peaceful, relax, relaxing time for people to come and find out more about themselves. Yeah. And so the, the the idea of this is that, you know, Heather, you and I are combining our forces, my yeah. many years of therapeutic experience, uh, spiritual leadership and coaching and working with the person to get rid of your roadblocks to really go deep and find where are your where's your fear where's your strength where is your path and then you do this wonderful thing where you help people understand just the the wonderful hero's journey that they have going into where they are now and what they can do with that hero's journey. And you, you've got a lot to bring to this whole retreat. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be about finding your voice as an entrepreneur, finding your path 
and figuring out all of the ups and the downs of running a business and being an entrepreneur. And so with regard to the teaching, what might people expect from where this is going? I love that, but thank you. So I'm super excited to be doing the retreat with you, the Awaken Retreat, where the the focus is, the purpose, the intention is navigating change and illuminating success. And who this is for is for, I call them soulful trailblazers, meaning they know they're here for a purpose from a, from a soul perspective. They're not here just to make money, but I believe in making money. They're here for more. They're here for a soul and they are blazing a trail. So I call it soulful trailblazers. And this is really for visionary entrepreneurs who are embracing change with open hearts and aligning their business pursuits with spiritual wisdom and who are courageously leading the way in a transformed world. And I think that's true. Um, There are people right now who are entrepreneurs. They are leading edge on the leading edge of science and the leading edge of creation. And I want to bring them together. There are a lot of people who are biohackers, marketers, health practitioners, um, spiritual people, uh, channelers that are really trying to help other people navigate the change and illuminate success. But those leaders of those people need a place to come and retreat from. And I think that's who we are speaking to people who are already trailblazers. They're already leading maybe groups of people or leading a company that's a scientific company into a new world, but they looking for their people. They're looking for a place that they can share Um, They can share what their dreams are and desires are, challenges are, and we can help them through that. Because as a leader, it's hard sometimes because you and your, when you are a leader of a group or a team or followers, it's hard to like lean into them when they're leaning into you. And I think this is the wake and retreat is giving people soulful travelers, a solstice, you know, a safe space, a safe place to retreat, to relax to help them navigate more, navigate the change for illuminate success for their life. Yeah, this is a place of rest. It's a place of renewal. It's a place of empowerment. It's a place of, of expansion. And it's a place of going deep, sharing hopes and dreams, getting encouraged, encouraging others that are people that really want to go somewhere with the strengths that they innately have. This can be a world that feels very isolating, occasionally uninspired. It can be a world that feels very lonely. Even when we're in a room surrounded by a bunch of other people, this is a place for people who fly really high and want to fly higher. You'll walk away from this with new skills, new direction, a new sense of where it is that you are trying to go in your life and the skills that you need to start taking those steps forward, how to remove fear from the way that you think, how to remove insecurity from the way that you think, how to remove those roadblocks that are holding you back from going where you need to go. And what are the tangible steps that you need to start taking to get there? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity, but I'm super excited to do this, do this with you because um, one is a desire I've always had for a really long time, but now in the midst of this change, especially in 2024, we are in an election year. And even though so many people I know who are entrepreneurs are like, I'm not political. It's not about not being political. 
Um, politics does change the frequency of a state, of a county, and of a country. And this is not going to be a political retreat. This is for leaders and trailblazers, people that are visionaries, scientists, um, entrepreneurs, leaders with themselves, with their own organization, a place that they can kind of unplug from all of that and the drama to be able to lean in and to share their visions and to have each other uh, receive feedback or receive uh, ideas for them to give ideas and receive ideas. And as someone who uh, I myself have a hard time giving my ideas to people because, you know, honestly, my ideas are like my babies. I don't want them rejected. And I think one of the things that we're going to be really doing is uh, some exercises on um, letting that fear go. Even Neo was scared sometimes in the matrix, you know, there he was always being asked to do things bigger than he thought himself to be. And it was always in those moments where he started to believe in himself and his purpose, where he began to make those shifts. Now, if you're, if you, if you don't like the matrix um, analogy, you might not be the right person for this retreat because I do believe right now we're in that kind of world where we get to create what our reality is. We get to wake up and that's why it's called the awaken retreat. So I'm excited to do this with you, Jeremy. I think with your background as a therapist um, and understanding that mindset and also with your work that you're going to be doing um, in San Francisco at a university you may want to talk about, but also your work with the chakras that I think we're going to be able to really connect the spirituality, the mental, um, the business side, as well as the health and mental health side to this. So I'm super excited about it. Yes. And so the work that I'm going to be doing in San Francisco over the next several months is a certification program in providing psychedelic assisted therapies to people in the most ethical and responsible way that uh, because these medications are so profound, they've been a part of the history of humanity since the very beginning of everything. And we have so many things in our world that are trying to pull us down. I'm really glad that you mentioned the whole political thing, because the most important thing that we can all do right now is rise our consciousness above this divisive and this low frequency of yeah. constantly being in conflict with one another. It is so pervasive and it's turning friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor and child against parent, all of these sorts of things. And it's just low vibration stuff low vibration. and vibrating above that level and making sure that you, you mentioned the whole chakras thing. There's been times that I have felt really scattered, really imbalanced, really not focused. And when you get into the seven chakras, you start working from the bottom up, you start coming back into your stuff. You start noticing the pieces of yourself that are imbalanced. Why does my mm -hmm. heart hurt? Because I've grieved. I've I've had horrible things happen to me and I haven't grieved them properly. I haven't processed that stuff. And so going up the chakras and meditating on every single piece of this, your base, your creativity, your love, your sight, your spiritual place, that's one of the things that one of the places that we're going to be going in this 
And you're going to have not only the opportunity to take time on your own. If you're an introvert, there'll be plenty of place for you to sit by yourself under a tree. If you're an extrovert like me and like Heather, there's plenty of people to chat with and share your story and connect with other high-level people that are working to raise their vibration yes. above all of the things that are working to distract us, to keep us in this us versus them mindset that has yes. become so pervasive that we can work to exist on a plane that is above the place that it seems like this world is trying to slot us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. It's about frequency. And so it's called the Awaken Retreat. You can find it at youraawakenretreat.com. And again, it's really for soulful, soulful trailblazers visionary entrepreneurs who are embracing change with open hearts, aligning their business pursuits with spiritual wisdom, who are courageously leading the way in a transformed world. So if that's you, um, and you're listening to this, you know, I asked you to join us in June at 2024, which is my birthday month. So it'll be super exciting time and super excited to do this with you at your retreat.com. Yes. If you have watched this thus far, I think you might be a soulful trailblazer. Check out this website. It's it's going to give you all the information that you really need to know about this whole thing. Every single day is going to have a different theme and we're going to be going in many different directions in consciousness inside of ourselves and in the tangible work of figuring out where it is that we all need to go with with our lives, with our souls, with our businesses, with our work and who we are and what the story of ourselves is in this world. I love that. Well, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited. So I'm super excited to do the event with you in your Awaken Retreat. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. My name is Jeremy Van Wert, the CEO of High Altitude Mindset. Now go and be something great. <laughs>